As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are starting this brand new series today called We Want to See Jesus. And you would think that if we're starting a series with the whole idea of we want to see Jesus, that we look at his life, death, and resurrection. That we look at those sections of scripture where Jesus is actually there. But we're not. Uh, If you're new to the Bible, if you don't know much about the Bible, the Bible has two main sections, a division, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is all about Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, the start of the Christian church, Uh, and the Old Testament is everything prior to Jesus. Jesus is literally the one who divides the Old Testament and the New Testament, and yet for the next 10 weeks, we're going to look at the Old Testament with this theme of we want to see Jesus. And what we're going to see as we march through 10 weeks of the Old Testament is how Jesus is there. We're going to see him, whether he's actually there, because he's eternal, or we're going to see how he's foreshadowed and prophesied in the Old Testament until we see him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Today, we start this series We want to see Jesus. So where do we begin? Where every book begins, the beginning. That's where we're going to start today. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 is where we are going to begin. It's a familiar section of Scripture, and yet, if you don't understand Genesis chapter 3, you will look around the world and be extremely frustrated. If you don't understand Genesis chapter 3, You are going to think through all kinds of solutions on how to fix the brokenness in this world and then be frustrated when those solutions don't work. If you don't understand Genesis chapter 3, I will go so far to say, if you don't understand it, it's impossible to have hope for the future. If you don't understand Genesis chapter 3, it will be hard to understand the rest of Scripture. And so that's where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to focus on three points today. Uh, Point number one, we're going to see the cause of the brokenness in this world. Point number two, we're going to see humanity's solution. What's our fix for the brokenness in this world? And point number three, we're going to see God's solution to the brokenness in this world. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve uh, were created on the sixth day of creation. Uh, God spoke everything into existence in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. He placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden where everything is perfect, harmonious, uh, unlike anything we've ever experienced. There's harmony between humanity and God, harmony between husband and wife, harmony between people and nature. It was harmony like we've never experienced it. In Genesis chapter 3, the devil comes to tempt Adam and Eve. Here's what we're told. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. There, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden in perfection, perfect harmony. And what happens? The devil comes under the disguise of a snake, and he comes and talks to Eve. Let me address some of the the thoughts that are going through your mind. (laughs) This has got to be a fairy tale. Because snakes don't talk. Are you kidding me? How could Eve fall for this? If this is a true account, how could Eve fall for a talking snake? Snakes don't talk at least in the world that we live. You know what else animals don't do? Walk before mankind to be named two by two. You and I have no idea what perfect harmony is like. Harmony between God, harmony between animals and humans, harmony between humanity. We have no idea what that looks like. None of us were there. Is it possible that humanity and animals could talk to one another? Maybe. And maybe that's why it's not so suspicious for Eve that an animal's talking to her. Maybe they did this on a regular basis. Either way, Satan comes disguised as a snake, and what does he do? He comes to Eve, and he causes doubt. He questions, did God really say you can't eat fruit from any trees in the garden? And she does great with the first temptation, right? No, 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 no. That's not what God's word said. God said we could eat from any trees in the garden, just not the middle one. Otherwise, we'll die. And then Satan completely contradicts God's word. You will not die. The Hebrew makes it even clearer of just how contradictory to God's word is. God said, you will surely die. And in the Hebrew, which is the original that it was written in, Satan just added a not at the end. You will surely die not. That's all he did. It's a complete contradiction of God's word. And then he adds this one. God knows that when you eat from it, you will be like him. God is holding out happiness from you. God is holding out uh, some pleasure, some goodness, God is holding out on fun. 
God is keeping you down. You need to get rid of God to experience true happiness. He's controlling you. You can't trust this guy. And what does Eve do? She takes from the fruit and she eats it. Where's Adam in all this? Right next to her. Notice what we're told. Eve gave some to her husband who was with her. Who did God give the command to, Eve or Adam? If you know your first couple chapters well, he gave Adam the command before Eve was created. Adam was given God's word and given the responsibility to tell his wife God's word. And then what does he do? As his wife is being tempted to eat the tree that God told them not to eat from, or they will die, he steps back and lets his wife be the guinea pig. Pretty gutless, if you ask me. And yet, guys, before we go and judge Adam, who is it in your household that makes sure you get up and come to church on Sunday morning? You or your wife? Who is it in your household that makes sure that that you pray as a family and that you're in God's Word together, you or your wife? Who is it that makes sure that the decisions in your household that are being made are, are done according to the will of the Lord? If that is your wife, you are being a passive Adam. And you're stepping back and you're not leading like God has called you to lead. Adam and Eve are both there. Both are responsible for bringing sin into the world, and that is such a huge point, and it's your first point today. Humanity's sin leads to brokenness. This isn't God's fault. He gave the command. He told them what not to do. He put the boundaries there, and what did Adam and Eve do? They listened to the whispering lies of the devil and went and acted against God's will. This was not God's fault that brokenness is in the world. As you look around the world today, it's not God's fault that there's brokenness in the world. It's humanity's fault because they listen to the whispering, destructive lies of the devil. And as we look out in the world, don't we see the same brokenness here in Genesis chapter 3 that we do out there? We see broken relationships. How much hatred and fighting and throwing people under the bus, betraying each other. We see it everywhere. How about self-image problems? Isn't that what Adam and Eve had? All of a sudden their eyes were open and they realized what? I'm naked. Something's wrong. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm not perfect anymore. And so what do they do? They sew fig leaves together in an attempt to hide themselves and cover their shame. And we have self-image problems like crazy in this world. And then, of course, a broken relationship with God. How much distrust is there of God in this world? And yet it's not just out there. All of that is found in my own heart as well. How often I listen to the whispering lies of the devil and give in to his influence Instead of trusting in God, I turn inward and listen to him as he says, 
Your kids are just unruly today. You have every right to be angry. If only your spouse would do what you ask time and time again. You've told them six times. If only your spouse would just listen and and do what you ask so nicely, then you wouldn't be bitter towards your spouse. If only God gave you different circumstances, your life is hard. And God has complete control. And only if, if he wouldn't have given me this lot, I'd trust him a little better. I'd trust him a little more. But everything in my life is hard and difficult. And so God, I don't know that I can trust you. So whispering lies of Satan. You want to know why this world is broken? It's because we do what Adam and Eve did and we listen and follow the devil's lies instead of listening to God's truth. We turn our back on God and his word and we follow Satan and his word, his lies. And that's really the issue, isn't it? We've made friends with the devil and we follow after his lead instead of clinging and trusting to the Lord of life and his promises. And that's what causes the brokenness in this world because we've been broken from our life source, which is the Lord of life. So what's humanity's fix? Well, do we see what Adam and Eve did? It's your second point today. What's humanity's fix? Cover our shame and shift the blame. Adam and Eve realize that they're naked, and what do they immediately do? I've got to cover myself. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. My imperfections are now out there. Which, think about that. They were created in perfection. They have perfect bodies, and yet they want to cover their shame. They want to cover their shame because that's what sin does. And so they sew fig leaves together, which couldn't have done much, and we know it didn't because here comes the Lord God walking through the cool of the day, garden in the cool of the day, and what do they do? They go and hide behind bushes because, well, their coverings just aren't enough. God comes. He doesn't come angrily. He doesn't come storming in. He comes gently walking, and he asks questions. Where are you? Adam pops out over the bush. Here I am. I hid because I was naked. God said, who, t- who told you that you were naked? Adam, did, did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And notice, with his feeble attempt to cover his shame, he now shifts the blame. The woman you put here, God, she gave me some fruit and I ate it. Notice who fault it, whose fault it is. It's definitely not Adam's. It's the woman's and God's. Adam's saying, God, I didn't ask for her. You decided that it wasn't good for me to be alone. You brought her here. This is your fault. Not mine. It's one of your, it's either the woman's or yours, God, not mine. And so God turns to the woman and says, what, what have you done? Well, it wasn't my fault, Lord. The serpent deceived me. And I ate. If, if, the, if the serpent didn't trick me, I wouldn't have eaten. This can't be blamed on me. It's his fault. Isn't this what we see as humanity's fix for the brokenness in this world? Cover our shame and shift the blame. We cover our shame. How do we do it today? 
Well, we cover our shame, quite honestly, with the clothes we wear. The more done up we look, the more pretty or gorgeous that we look, it covers the shame of a decaying body. We cover our shame by having surgeries done, by wearing makeup, by making ourselves look beautiful. We cover our shame through our achievements. I have self-image problems, and so how do I make myself feel important? I achieve, I achieve, I achieve, and look at my achievement. It's covered my shame because look at how important I am. Or we cover our shame by covering our tracks. We delete the search history. We delete those text messages. When, when we've been caught, we quickly turn it around and spin these lies to cover our tracks so that we don't look as bad so that my shame is covered. And then, what do we do? We shift the blame. Well, God, if only they wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. God, they tricked me once again. God, if only things were better, if only you did what I wanted, I'd be good. It's not me, it's them. Instead of taking responsibility. It's crazy to think that Christmas is 10 weeks away. How many of you go out and get a Christmas tree that you actually cut down? Raise your hand. I see one. Oh, there's not many people actually. Uh, yeah. What, when you go out and you cut that Christmas tree down and you take it home and you decorate it all nice, uh, it looks really good, right? And you enjoy the smell of the pines. What's true about that tree from the moment that you cut it down? It's dead. It's decaying. And you take it home and you put ornaments on it, you put garland on it and lights, and, and it looks really beautiful, but all you've done is hide what's really happening underneath. How often that's what we do in our life. We try to cover the shame that we've been broken from our life source of God. Our self-image problems, with relationship problems, with, with the brokenness of our relationship with God, and we try to do ourselves up through our works and through covering ourselves. Does it work? Not really. Because the problem isn't outward. The problem is in the heart. And it's a problem that we've been disconnected from God. We've been broken away from him as we've listened to the devil. And so there's Adam and Eve standing before God. They've shifted blame. They've covered their shame or attempted to. And it doesn't work. And so what does God do? God, here's God's fix. He shifts our blame and he covers our shame. Seems pretty similar, doesn't it? But there's a subtle difference. Did you catch how God ended this section, what God did in, in uh, verse 21? He, he had given them a new set of clothes. Where did those clothes come from? Clothes of skin. He had to sacrifice some animals. The very first death is what covers the shame of the people. And then he promises in Genesis 3.15, he looks at the devil 
And he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring and yours. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In, in sinning, what did Adam and Eve do, done? They went from being in a relationship with God to following the devil. And what does God promise? I'm going to put hatred in your friendship, devil and the woman. You are no longer going to be friends. I'm going to put enmity between it and between her offspring and yours. Notice it's not the offspring of the man and the woman. It's the offspring of the woman and the woman alone. Why? Because the virgin will, be, will conceive and give birth to a son. And he'll be called Emmanuel. Because the Savior that, Jesus, that God just promised here is not going to have a human father, but conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is a promise of Jesus. And this is what the rest of Scripture is all about. God fulfilling this promise to humanity that he would come to break apart the devil's relationship with us and reattach us to him, the Lord of life. And in doing so, Satan's head's going to be crushed and, his, and Jesus' ankle's going to be struck as he suffers. But how does he shift the blame? When Jesus died on the cross... He crushed Satan's head. All of the work that Satan had done, Jesus undid when he died on the cross, when he was pierced for our transgressions, when he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we have been healed. God shifts the blame of our sin off of us and onto Jesus the seed of the woman. And when he dies, he dies for all of our sins. He takes responsibility for each and every one. And it's by his wounds that you and I have been healed from the brokenness of sin. And then he covers us. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, all of us who have been baptized into Christ have clothed ourselves with Christ. All of our imperfections, all of the sin that we are so ashamed of, God covers with Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's through his blood that we stand forgiven and without shame before the God of this world. We are reconnected and reunited to the Lord of life. God shifts the blame off of us onto Jesus and he covers our shame. That is God's solution. And so I want to close with a few application points. Number one, how do we fix the brokenness in this world? Not through programs, not through government programs because they don't hit the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is people listening to the lies of Satan and not to the truth of God's word. We need the healing message of Jesus. That is what's going to fix the brokenness of this world. Number two, we don't have to hide. We don't have to cover ourselves. God has covered our shame for us through the blood of Jesus. Number three, we don't, have to take, we don't have to pass the responsibility. We don't have to shift blame. We can stand and say, here's what I did. I confess my sin because God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. And then number four, listen to the Lord of life. Listen to his truth. Because the devil's trying to lead you away and the Lord wants to bring you life and he's done it through Jesus Christ. What a way to start. We want to see Jesus. He's right there from the beginning. And it's been fulfilled in our Savior Jesus. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we thank you for being the God who fixes all things, who fixes us, and you've done it through your, your son, our Savior, Jesus. We thank you for bringing us back to you through him. We thank you for covering our shame so that we can stand confidently before you knowing that we are forgiven and all of our imperfections have been hidden from, from you through Jesus, our Savior. Help us to live in the truth. Help us to be agents uh, that go out and fix the world, uh, not participate in the brokenness, but lead people to you, the God who fixes all things. In your name we pray, amen.